everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast. This is the show every week where we talk about a streaming service and we talk about some hidden gems that you can find on that streaming service. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time doing it. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Hey, Rachel. It's great to be back with you once again. And uh, we're recording this on a Sunday, which feels real bizarre to me, but you've got like 50 podcasts that you were <laughs> at least a co-host of. So... It, so, so some changes had to be made, but it's a well. Things welcome are getting busy, that's for sure, in my world. So, we haven't even really. We're just doing Christmas in July right now, and I even do regular Christmas. So, yeah. I can't be... imagine around that time you're gonna have to be like a, like a hermit out in the woods and be yeah. like Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> I can't get to you unless you like drive to a phone like in the middle of the woods. You're I'm like, planning on having like a hot cocoa IV, you know, like ready to go. <laughs> Be like, you're going to have to call me at a certain time because I'll drive to the phone to take your call. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So it's going to be, it's going to be intense, but excited to be talking about hidden gems. Uh, I always love uh, doing this. And so, uh, yeah, what are we, do? what are we covering this week? So we're covering Hoopla, which is... Yeah. Similar to Canopy in that it's a supremely underrated surface that, well, I guess, as you like to say, the hidden gem is not really what's on the surface, but the service itself. Yes. And it's my favorite price, free 99 <laughs> All you really need is your library card information if you have it, and there you go. And they really do have a lot of stuff on there. Uh, not Not just sort of obscure stuff, but... Uh, but some new stuff, some uh, some hits. They have a bunch of different categories. There was like an 80 hits category this time. There was uh, a lot of different uh, films, uh, and especially if you love TV movies, there are a ton. They had a whole Christmas in July section, uh, and I tried. I only picked one because I didn't want the whole uh, my whole picks to be Christmas movies. But, uh, but yeah, they they really do have a lot of stuff, especially considering it's free. Yeah, absolutely. And not only, I think I've said this in every Hoopla episode, but I'll say it again if, if I, if I haven't, but not only can you watch movies on there, but you can also watch TV shows and read comics and listen to audiobooks. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I'm legit like reading Lord of the Flies, like while this is, while we're recording this. And I found an audiobook on Hoopla that's narrated by William Goldman, who wrote the book. So you're so I'm being narrated the book to me by the guy who actually wrote it. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. I mean, it's so crazy just to think of like the amount of entertainment that we all have at our beck and call. It's just unbelievable. You know, it's a bit of a side story. My dad was watching the 1966 Batman earlier today. It was on FX uh, Retro, I guess it's what they're calling it now. But it was on there, and uh, and he was telling me about how when this was on as a kid, like there was no DVR, there was no TiVo. You either saw it or you were screwed. His words, not mine. Right, right. So, so we live, we live in really. I, I don't want to say, I guess opulent time seems like a weird word, but I guess we live in very fortunate times. There you go. And uh, 
I, I think now is as good a time as any to become a movie fan or a TV fan because you could literally look up any old show, no matter how obscure, and there's some proof of it out there. So I, I think that's I think that's pretty, yeah. pretty pretty cool. It's really cool, really great. Well, let's dive in and talk about some of our picks and Hoopla. And if you have been watching uh, anything or listening to anything or reading anything on Hoopla, let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear what you have been checking out on Hoopla. So why don't you start, Ryan? What is your first pick? So my first choice is a movie from 1984, and it's one of the great forgotten sequels. And this is a sequel to a movie that is widely considered to be one of the greatest of all time. The movie I'm going to be talking about is 2010, The Year We Make Contact. Now, this is the sequel to 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I think is in a comfortable conversation for the greatest sci-fi movies of all time, if not greatest film of all time. It's one of my all-time favorites. I watch it at least once a year, maybe more if I'm feeling a little saucy. Uh, it's beautiful direction, wonderful score, a secretly terrifying villain in HAL 9000, and a supremely weird ending that just stirs up non-stop questions the more times you, you see it and you'll have to think about it. So how can you possibly follow that? Well, 2010, the year we made contact, makes honestly as good an attempt as you could ever ask for to make a sequel to 2001. The cast in here is really good. You got Roy Scheider, who we all know as, uh, as Hooper from, or not Hooper, um, as Brody from Jaws. Uh, you got John Lithgow, he's been in a ton of stuff. Helen Mirren, a very young Helen Mirren is in here. And Bob Balaban, who, I've, who I know from pretty much most, if not all of Wes Anderson's work. And so this is based on an actual book written by Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote the book for 2001 and also co-wrote the screenplay with Kubrick for 2001. The basic premise, because there's honestly a lot going on here, but the basic premise is that 10 years or uh, uh, nine or 10 years after the first mission to Jupiter, uh, the, original, the original guy on top of the mission, Haywood Floyd, who's played by Roy Scheider, is recruited to go see what happened and brings a crew along with him. And let's just say there's not a ton of simple answers awaiting them. And I'll be the first to say this is definitely not as good as 2001 because 2001 is like a super high standard to live up to. So if you're making a sequel like that to anything re regarding 2001, it's automatically at a curve. But for what this movie is, it is about as good a sequel as you could ever ask for. Come for like the 2001 aura, but stay for the cast and the very underrated cinematography. I almost forgot to mention that. Do check this out, especially if you're a 2001 fan. It's a pretty satisfying sequel. I have to admit, I have never heard of this. I had no idea this existed, so a lot of introduced it to me. A lot of people have not, and that's um, unfortunate because 2001 yeah. was so good that people forget that, A, there were other books and after 2001. There was 2001, there was 2010, there was 2000, I think, 69 or 70. And then there was 3001, which I have not read, but I have heard gets real weird. And considering where we start with 2001, that's really saying something. But I, I think nowadays, if they really wanted to, I think they could 
tap into this universe again, maybe adapt the third book, do something like that. I mean, enough time has passed. I could see it happening. I don't know financially how it would do, but you know, I, no matter how, it, it, there's a lot of people who praise 2001, so it could happen. Is this a feature film or was it made for television? No, no, it was a it was a legit film. It was released in theaters. It's directed by Peter Hines, who directed another underrated sci-fi movie called Outland, starring the late Sean Connery. He directed The Relic with awesome creature effects and pretty much nothing else good. <laughs> and Time Cop with Jean Claude Van Damme. So there is that. There you go. Yeah. Hey, I mean, if they can, if they think that there's money in make, remaking Dune or adapting Dune again, then why not 2001? <laughs> Interesting. Well, the jury is still out on ones. Dune. Well, the jury yeah, is still we'll out see. on Dune. So, quality aside, it might turn into a, com- a complete flop, which would be sad. But hey, yeah. the jury's still out. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, very good. That sounds interesting. My first pick is an animated film, a, a, a kind of obscure animated film called The Big Bad Fox and Other Tales. And this is a film out of France and it was originally in French. And it is a series of shorts, three shorts about these uh, barnyard farm animals. And they're really cute. The first short is called Baby Delivery. And it's basically this lazy sort. He doesn't deliver the right baby to the right animals. And this pig, rabbit, and duck get stuck with this baby. Uh, and so then they are trying to figure out how to, what to do. And it's, it's just really cute. And then there's the big bad fox. And uh, this is uh, the, basically like a wolf ends up being kind of the uh, the kind of protecting these chickens, and then the fox is trying to get the radishes that the wolf wants. And anyway, there's just like this back and forth between the fox and the wolf and the chickens. It's cute. And then the final one, my favorite one, is there's a Christmas one called Saving Christmas. Uh, that uh, the there's all kinds of shenanigans that go on uh there's a there's a plastic santa uh in the barn and some other things uh that they're convinced they killed the real santa the plastic santa and uh so they decide that they're gonna have to take santa's place and uh, and give the gifts out to the children it's it's cute so that the animation is kind of sketchy like a sketchbook kind of style and uh if you are looking for something kind of different, uh, it's it's fun. So yeah, you should check it out. I was looking at some stills of this on online, and the animation. And I know this seems like a weird comparison, but the animation kind of reminded me of those old Calvin and Hobbes cartoons, just because mm. of the hand-drawn nature of it all. Yeah, I can see that. There's a film that got nominated for uh, best animated film called Ernest and Celestine. And it's really cute about a bear that becomes friends with a mouse. And uh, it kind of has a similar sketch style to this one. So check it out. So what's your next pick? 
So my next choice is a movie from 1980, and it is called Fame. Uh, this was directed by Alan Parker, who would go on to, and I'm, who would go on to direct Evita, I believe, with Madonna, if my memory serves me right, and also Mississippi Burning and The Commitments. So he's he's got a he's got a wealth of knowledge to him. But Fame tells the story of several high schoolers who attend a high school for the gifted in theatric arts in New York City. And the movie basically follows, I think, a year of their lives where they go to school and they try and figure out themselves in this world where they, they hope to eventually end up in Broadway while also exploring their relationships as well. I've brought it up several times on this podcast, but I've, I was a theater kid. I have been in several stage productions. I was Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof. I've been everything from an extra to a member of the crew to the lead. So I've pretty much done it all. And so with a movie like this, it just really sings to me because I know a lot of these people, not specifically these people, but I know the pretty one and the unsure one who turns out to be awesome and the one who thinks she is way better than she thinks she is, but kind of sucks IRL. Like, I've met all of them, and watching Fame is kind of like, yep, I've met him, I've met her, definitely met her, and so it, it's a lot of fun there, but it's also, it's also secretly a pretty riveting movie, because it's, I hate to use the term slice of life movie, but this is a slice of life movie. You're following these teenagers as they're navigating their high school life, while also figuring out where they fit in this Broadway tapestry, if you will. Uh, my favorite scene in the movie is when, when a bunch of them go to attend a midnight screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and you see, and you see, you know, they they do the whole "Let's do the time warp again," and and the, and they say all the lines of the dialogue, and they sing all the numbers of the songs, and and it, it was honestly a lot of fun. I I could relate relate to that a little because. After we would get done with the production, we would all have a rap party and we would watch a Disney movie, whether it's Tarzan or Mulan or something like that. And so fame is really underrated. It's, I think it's like the subtly one of the best at capturing like, like teenagers in theater. Un until I'm proven otherwise, I think it's one of the best. Yeah, this is one of the few sort of classic musicals I have not seen. So you're a one up on me with this one. But of course, I've heard of it. And uh, I definitely need to, maybe when I do uh, catch up, I'll pick this as one of, because I've been, I wanted to see it. It's just one of those ones I haven't seen. So that's, that's really cool. Sounds fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I really like, um, obviously, I really like musicals, but just even the lead song. Fame, I want to live forever. <laughs> It's a good song, so very cool. All right, well, my next pick is my Christmas pick. I said I picked one, and I picked a movie called A Christmas Movie Christmas, and this is a really funny movie, especially to those of us that know the Christmas uh, TV movie scene. Uh, this is a parody kind of movie where these two sisters, one loves Christmas movies, one is cynical about it, doesn't love Christmas movies. They 
wake up and they're sucked into Christmas movie world. And I love that as a whole concept. I think that's really funny in general. I like that. It works for me. Uh, but really funny, they, yeah, particularly the cynical sister. Uh, excuse me, Brant Doherty plays this, um, uh, this character who I, I think he's like a, a um, cookie maker or baker or chocolatier. I can't remember. But anyway, and he keeps giving her all these greeting cards and like for everything. And she's like, leave me alone. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. And uh, there's just a lot of funny jokes and Brant Daughtry and his wife, Kimberly, uh, are both in it. And Kimberly plays the, the kind of the cynical one. And uh, it's, it'll just make you laugh a lot if you watch these movies at all. Uh, or even like, even if you like rom-coms, like they're just funny. So uh, you should check it out. You know, just hearing this premise, two things immediately came to mind. Number one, that's a pretty genius idea to take yeah. someone who hates Christmas movies and throw them into a Christmas movie setting and see what happens. That's low-key kind of brilliant. You can open so many doors with that possibility. It just... I don't know that that yeah. speaks to me it really does yeah you I think you'd think it was it was really funny yeah. it, and then the it, and then the second thing was that they should need they need to expand that maybe someone who's not a big fan of horror movies like just gets sucked <laughs> into a horror movie world for a day and see what happens there <laughs> although that would be pretty scary <laughs> lifetime like you get sucked into lifetime thrillers so there's a cautionary tale around every turn <laughs> A deadly choice. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's directed by Brian Herzlinger, who I love. I think he's great. He's been on Homework's podcast a number of times, including he did uh, one of our patron walk-alongs. I don't know if you were there for that one, but, uh, but uh, he's great. And uh, he did Twinkle All the Way, which I love so much, with Sarah Drew. And was, was that the watch-along? Yeah. That I was there for that. Yes. Yeah, so that he directed this as well. Oh, wow. Like, he was a nice guy. He's so great. Yeah, really great. And his little daughter, Clary, is in his movies, and she's adorable. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Hallmarkies podcast never got name-dropped in, in the CBC. Like, you all need to use your stroke and get Tom Cavanaugh on the network. Like, seriously. Well, no, he's done a number of Hallmark movies, Tom Cavanaugh. No, I mean, like, on the Hallmarkies for an interview. Oh, on the podcast? Oh, my gosh, I would die. That would be amazing. I could ask him <laughs> a bunch of Eobard Thawne questions. <laughs> That's right. And give him a virtual hug for being in the terrible Yogi Bear movie, because no one has, should have to go through that. Yeah, he's actually in my favorite Hallmark movie, Trading Christmas. It's my all-time favorite. So, cool. Yeah. So, all right, what's your next pick? So my next choice, here comes the hard left. Uh, this is a bit of a stretch because it was on the AFI project. It, it was on the AF, it was and still is, on the AFI top 100 list. So it's pretty renowned. However, it's also a classic movie that I think not a ton of people talk about. I watched it thinking it wasn't going to be that great, and it really did surprise me. It's called Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? This was from 1966. It was directed by Mike Nichols, who would go on to direct The Graduate, which was not great in my opinion. Very, 
very i i have thoughts on that creature of its time <laughs> yeah but <laughs> but that's neither here nor there uh this movie tells the story of a married couple who secretly hate each other and well secretly is about the worst kept secret in the world their disdain for each other is pretty well known but after a party all that the husband wants to do is just to go to bed and sleep off all the alcohol he's drunk but then his wife, played by Elizabeth Taylor, is like, oh, by the way, I invited this couple over. And he's like, you did what? And over the course of a night, you just get more and more uncomfortable as this husband and wife unpack all of their dirty laundry on each other on this poor younger married couple who are like, we just got married. Marriage is so great. And then by the end, they're just like, oh, um, uh, what do we do here? To describe this movie is basically the phrase, um, should I even be here? Because y'all need to work some stuff out. Like, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton need to definitely work some stuff out here. And this movie is basically the Michael Jordan meme of, and I took that personally, for two and a half hours. Just when you think one has one advantage over the other, someone gets even dirtier. And it's just like, oh, I don't like you. And then you feel, once you start feeling sorry for the other person, it's like, oh, I don't like you now. And it's like, they get lower and lower and lower and lower as the movie goes on. My favorite scene in the movie is when, after Elizabeth Taylor just seemingly completely wrecks Richard Burton, he just like walks it off and he's like, I'm not coming back from this. And then he gets a spark of inspiration. He goes to the closet, opens it, and he grabs a gun. And not like a handgun, but like a like a garand, like what they used in World War II. The music is building. Elizabeth Taylor's talking crap. She's like, oh, and he's useless at this and that and the other thing. And he's walking and he's walking. He brings up the gun, points it at her, shoots, and it's an umbrella. And I honestly cannot do the scene justice. It's an excellent just buildup of tension to where it's, it's a fake out, yes, but it's an amazing fake out. And honestly, I can't do this movie justice. It is a, it's a very uncomfortable movie to watch because I don't think you should really have to sit through a married couple fighting. And especially in the case of these two, just unpacking all of their baggage for the world to see. But it's weirdly intriguing and fascinating all at the same time. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend it highly. Yeah, I, I've certainly heard of this movie. It's based on play, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have not seen it because movies like this and Marriage Story and stuff like that in the bedroom, they make me stressed out. <laughs> yeah, and this movie stars Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, who at the time were married, but I think two years after this would get divorced. So Yeah, didn't uh, they get married and divorced a couple of times or something like that? I don't know, they had a sure. volatile relationship. Two or three times, but this movie is definitely an example of art imitating life. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Uh, so my next pick is a movie that certainly got a lot of play when it first came out, but I don't know if it's really uh, talked about all that much now, is the movie The Queen. This is directed by Stephen Fears, and it stars Helen Mirren as the Queen, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth, and... Uh, she won an Oscar for this role. She's so great. She looks so much like her and she gives a really great performance. 
as Queen Elizabeth. And uh, so it's during the whole fallout after the death of Princess Diana and how they handle it or didn't handle it right. And uh, yeah, it's really, it's a really good movie. Uh, it's tense. You feel like this is actually a family. I feel like these are characters and it, you know, she gives an incredible performance. So definitely worth seeing, I think. Yeah, I've heard nothing but amazing things about this, especially from Helen Mirren, because, you know, she's she's just awesome at everything, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's she's great, and she's great in this. I think this year, that I think she's actually played the uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, in a television series as well, as well as this movie. So it's definitely a role she uh, she knows well. So not a not that big of a stretch. No. <laughs> well, what about you? What's your next pick? So my next choice is from 2001, and, and this is a movie called Aeon, Artificial Intelligence. And this is a movie that I think in some ways is more fascinating when you learn what happened behind the scenes rather than some of the movie itself. The movie's great, let's not get that twisted, but when you learn about what happened behind the scenes, it just adds another layer to it. So to make a long story short, Steven Spielberg and Stanley Kubrick were really good friends. You would think that those two would never want anything to do with each other because Stanley Kubrick made, well, Stanley Kubrick movies, these weird, challenging art movies, while Steven Spielberg made, well, Steven Spielberg movies. They could be scary, but they could also be wondrous and full of adventure and whimsy, even though I don't like using that word. They're full of whimsy. But they were great friends in real life, and they always wanted to collaborate with each other. But due to scheduling and other things, they just couldn't. But then, finally, at the turn of the millennium, they said, all right, Stanley, let's, let's finally do this. And so they agreed to do a movie called AI, Artificial Intelligence, which was based on the story Super Toys Last All Summer Long, written by Brian Aldiss. And there was a decision of whether Stanley should direct and Steven should produce, or vice versa. It was finally said that Kubrick would direct it after he finished Eyes Wide Shut and Steven Spielberg would produce. Unfortunately, Stanley Kubrick passed away in 1999, a couple months after Eyes Wide Shut was released. So Steven Spielberg, in honor of his friend, took up the directing roles and AI was what we got. This got a pretty bad reputation initially, but I think over time, it has gotten a better light upon reevaluation. But I've always seen, like, I've always seen the benefit, or not the benefit, but I've seen the good in this movie. It's definitely a product of two visions in that it has Stanley Kubrick's visual style with Steven Spielberg's heart, and sometimes those just really don't mix. There's definitely some awkward moments. However, when this movie hits, it hits a home run. The ending is not particularly great, I will admit that. Like I said, this movie is not perfect. However, I think it is a criminally misunderstood movie, and I think now that it is, it is celebrating its 20-year birthday, I guess, I think more people should take, a, take another look at it. Yeah, I I think that it is a very interesting movie when you know the backstory, like you were saying, and sort of looking for those combinations of Spielberg and Kubrick is interesting. Uh, and I think that the world building and the performances 
uh, and I are good. Uh, I like Jude Law in it. Haley Joe Osmond is really good in it. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's definitely worth seeing, even if the story does have a, a little bit of problems. Gigolo Joe. <laughs> All right. Well, my next pick is called Bride and Prejudice. And this is by director Grin Chotter, who would go on to do Blinded by the Light, which I love and adore. Um, and this is a, just a ton of fun. Uh, it's a take on Pride and Prejudice, and it actually like stays fairly close to the novel. It's not like when they do it for Hallmark and they have nothing to do with Jane Austen at all except for the names. Uh, this is actually basically the Pred Prejudice story with the, uh, the, uh, the headstrong uh, Lizzie character uh, played by Shwaira Rai, who's stunning and gorgeous. And, uh, and then you have, uh, you have Martin Henderson playing uh, the Darcy type character and he's really good. You will recognize him in Virgin River if you watch that show at all. Uh, it also has Naveen Andrews from Lost. Uh, so it's got a, a pretty good cast. And it's just your classic Jane Austen Pride and Prejudice story, but with a Bollywood setting with musical numbers and things like that. And so it's just, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, Blinded by the Light is awesome. Like, oh, even so good. Just like I've never really been a big Bruce Springsteen fan, but I was after that movie. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah, I think that it's a great movie about the experience of being a fan of something. There's nothing like that experience of when just something comes alive for you, and uh, it's uh, it's just so so life-changing especially when you're a teenager and you have that thing that finally excites you so cool and I thought Blinded by the Light really captured that I loved it uh this is is just more fluffy it's it's not like I don't know it doesn't have like gravitas but it's just it's just a uh it's just a fun little rom-com so and I mean there are so many bad versions of Pride and Prejudice that it's nice whenever you do actually get a good one Especially the and zombies one. Oh yeah, I, I there were things about that that I appreciated that other people didn't, but yeah, uh, it certainly uh, it certainly has its problems. Uh, but what about you? What's your last pick? So my last okay. choice is from 1992, and it is called Medicine Man. This was directed by John McTiernan. We all know he directed Die Hard and Predator, among others. It starred Sean Connery and Lorraine Baraka. Uh, Baracko, and it tells the story of a doctor named Dr. Robert Campbell, who is basically a hermit at this point, living in the Amazon rainforest and also working there. He is dead set on finding a cure for, like, I'll just say the cure for cancer. And so, and, and so he works for a company, but the funds are about to run dry. And so the company sends another doctor, played by Lorraine Baracko, to see on his progress and the movie is is a lot of different things it is a bit of a it's a it's but at the end of the day it is a movie about science versus business and how how dr campbell is so convinced that he is so close to finding a cure however if it don't make dollars it don't make sense so it's just 
it's just a question of how long can you feasibly keep this up and it's just i i don't think this is like among john mctiernan's greatest work i mean die hard is certainly one of the greatest action movies ever so everything else is automatically at a curve but i think this is definitely from a story standpoint it is very underrated sean connery's in there we all know who he is he's great uh, Lorraine Baracco from The Sopranos and Goodfellas, among others, she's great. The chemistry they have together is really good. And I, what I did appreciate about the movie is that they didn't do the, oh, Dr. Campbell's clearly the good guy and Dr. Crane, Lorraine Baracco, is clearly the bad guy. Both sides have equal, like, okay, you got a point there. And um, another time you're like, okay, you got a point there also. It's very nuanced, which is something that I respect. And for, especially for John McTiernan, who was so renowned for his action, this was definitely against type for him. And I think he did a pretty good job. So seek it out if you haven't. I've never seen this one uh, either. So you have some good hidden gems uh, this time around, uh, good ones that I haven't seen. Uh, so I feel like I've heard about it, but yeah, I, you're like a good Sean Connery movie. It's always fun. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, my last pick is a rom-com. We just talked about Reese Witherspoon over at Best and Worst last week. And uh, so I had her on the mind, I guess. And one of her best romantic comedies that she's ever done is Sweet Home Alabama. And this doesn't like reinvent the wheel as far as your story. It's, you know, she's going down to Alabama after being in New York. She's become a famous designer. She thinks she's so too good for her, uh, her small town. And uh, she ends up coming into contact with her uh, high school love, her first love, her first husband, because she's trying to get a divorce so she can marry Patrick Dempsey. And <laughs> you have Josh Lucas, and he is so hunky in this movie. <laughs> uh, and they do a great job of really showcasing him but i like the fact that they didn't make either guy like a bad guy they're both uh they're both worthy choices for her which makes it better and there's some pretty funny jokes there are some things about this that do not age well so i will give that caveat uh she basically outs one of her best friends to the whole town and that scene is super cringy uh and you would never see that in a, like a rom-com these days uh, but uh, but nevertheless, I still think there's enough good in there to have you know fun time with, and and the, all the leads are very charming and very very attractive. Uh, so <laughs> her father is big into these reenactments, Civil War reenactments, and that was definitely a big thing where I grew up in the town. They had these Civil War reenactments and stuff, so that made me laugh. Uh, so yeah, and, and Candace Bergen plays. Uh, plays Patrick Dempsey's mother and she's also the mayor of New York City I think or, or governor of New York I can't remember but one of those she's a politician so she's good uh, it's just an enjoyable enjoyable film yeah uh, seeing the forever purge which spoiler alert for best and worst uh, it has made me really appreciate Josh Lucas and how he whenever I see him in something I mean like my man Josh Lucas because he's He's really good, and I feel like nobody uses him like enough because he yeah. was great when he was in Life as We Know It. He was awesome in Glory Road, which I've recommended on one of our many Disney Plus episodes. 
and and so like he's just really great and yet nobody talks about him it's yeah I, I feel like they gave him a shot and they really pushed him for a little while there were like a few years that they really tried to make him a, a thing and then it just didn't happen and so now he's your uh your he's your supporting character a lot of times he's the villain these days like in ford v ferrari uh things like that uh but uh but he is talented and and attractive they uh, they tried to make fetch happen. Yeah, that's right. You see what I did there? Yeah, very good. <laughs> so those are some, I think, very eclectic picks as we always do. So lots to watch on Hoopla. Let us know what your picks would be if you've been watching on Hoopla or just what you've been watching lately. Let us know. We'd love to hear in the comments section. And Ryan, where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called RyanCam. Uh, since we're recording this on a Sunday, I did drop my first reaction to the, to the Studio Ghibli film Tales from Earthsea, so definitely check that out. Throughout the week, I'll be releasing Twilight Zone vlogs, and then, and then on Sunday, I'll be dropping my review for Gattaca from 1997. It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies that I feel like nobody talks about anymore. And so hopefully this will be my opportunity to introduce you all to a supremely great sci-fi movie and surprisingly relevant to our modern time, but just flew under the radar and stayed there. So if you have not checked me out, please do. Yeah, I love Gattaca. That will be really good. Thank you for doing that. It'll be fun to watch it. Uh, make sure all are subscribed and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Ron's Tomatoes. So please take a look at that. Got lots of content coming out these days. So I'd really appreciate it. And then also you can find me at the Homeworkies podcast and we have some good stuff coming out over there as well. You definitely want to be subscribed and you check out our patron group. Like we said earlier, we have watch alongs every month where you can hear from creators and talent and and we go watch a movie with them. It's really fun. We've had people like Mary Lou Henner and Lacey Schwer come on. So it's great. Definitely worth your money. Please take a look. And then also we have our merch store, which has tons of fun designs. Please take a look at that. And uh, please like this video. Please subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. We appreciate that so much. And thank you, everybody. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye, everyone. Bye.